Hello, it's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Jenny Bergamira, a multidisciplinary artist based in Oslo, Norway. Jenny's new album, Here Is Always Somewhere Else, is out now on Breton Cassette and follows on from her 2017 album, Lint, which I love very much. So what's wonderful about this is the new album features sonic postcards or voice messages sent between Jenny and Camilla de la Bode, who's also in the band Camilla Fuchs. Now, Camilla Fuchs came on Crucial Listening previously, and they picked Jenny's album Lint as one of their important records. So it feels like things have come full circle, which is nice. But the new album features field recordings from throughout the world. It features an organ amongst cows, modular synthesis. And the whole thing congeals into something that feels like a query into the world, into the self, without too much regard for getting an answer. There's a real open, curious energy that I love to this album. Lots of repetition, muddled time. Beautiful. Great for headphones too. I love speaking to Jenny about her important records. This is the second time I've had an interview with her. You can find that interview on uh, Attention Magazine, the previous one, around the release of Lint. But yeah, three great records. Really, really nice to get some insight into here as always somewhere else. I hope you enjoy it. So as always, you can support the podcast financially over at coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash crucial listening. That can be one off, just a few pounds, or it can be a uh, ongoing monthly donation if you like, just to help support the costs and energy exerted associated with keeping the podcast live. But also as well, if you just enjoy listening, things are really hard at the moment financially, especially in the UK, and they're about to get much worse. Please just enjoy listening for free too. Okay. Thank you so much for your support in all forms. This is Jenny Bergamira on Crucial Listening. Jenny, welcome to Crucial Listening. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great to have you on the podcast. So we're here to talk about your three important records. Uh, Before we get to those, I wanted to ask about your new album, which I've been enjoying plenty. Here is Mm -hmm. Always Somewhere Else, which is out now on Breton Cassette. So at the centre of this record are a series of sonic postcards, as you describe them, sent between yourself and Camilla Delaborde. Firstly, how and why did these come to sit at the centre of the the record? These so these sonic postcards or um, voice messages. Uh, it's been a way of 
connecting or staying in touch with between me and, and Camilla for a long time. We were we were students together at Goldsmiths in in London when we lived there ah, um, right. way back. Um, and uh, so we're not very good at like calling up or you know um, making a video call or whatever. So we would we'd always just send these voice messages instead, and and for that to be like a way of staying in touch, and especially through the pandemic, it was like a, a marker of of these different times or these different like things that we were dealing with. Um, mm. And so um, at the I think it was in November, yeah, November twenty twenty, I was supposed to make this piece for radio. Uh, commissioned by uh, this little radio in Bergen called Rummer. And um, it was very open. I could make whatever I wanted to. It could also be like a mixtape or a collection of field recordings. And then I thought it would be a nice thing to make these sonic postcards uh, as a way of traveling when we couldn't travel. <laughs> so in a way it was like a... Um, <laughs> a sonic portal to these different situations I'd been in or these places I'd been in and then these voice messages between me and Camilla seemed like a nice kind of framework for those uh, places and situations because they would they would <laughs> put everything into context somehow you know and when you're mm. when you're sending it's like a letter um, because you're you have your own voice and you don't get anything back but you're writing to someone or speaking to someone so it's just a really beautiful format I think because it allows for reflection and it gives yeah there's like obviously there's time between them and things change or things are allowed to kind of be digested and as we point out <laughs> almost in every single one we're always like oh I should have replied to this ages ago, but I didn't get to it until now. And now things are different or things yeah. are the same. And why are they the same? Why haven't they changed? <laughs> so there's this beautiful, very mundane, but also kind of, um, yeah, reflection on like the situation and, and how things are feeling at the moment. It's like a, a nice way to, to keep each other updated. So... Mm. Yeah, those became kind of the framework for that uh, for that piece, and then later now for this album. So they are like a again a bit like a diary, but the, this time my last album was a bit like a diary too. But this one is more, yeah, a collective diary, I guess, or <laughs> a friendship um, tribute, or yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, I, I'm really intrigued by the first one that mm -hmm. appears right at the top of the record because mm -hmm. I assume actually because you're talking about the creation of a you know a record and I'm mm. assuming it's this one I've just realized now that I just presume that but um when you're talking about the fact that you're kind of shedding these notions of genre or what type of record it would it would be mm. is it this specific record you're talking about during that that voice note yeah yeah it is that was like um yeah, the beginning of 2020, I had the, it, I felt like it was already too long since I made another <laughs> album, you know, <laughs> like I made my first one, it was released in 2017. And I think I had like 
had an idea that I would be making more records, but um, you know all these ideas about what you're supposed to or what you are, what your work is supposed to sound like, or based on maybe what you've done before. There was all of this that was kind of uh, holding me back, I guess. And at that point, I guess I decided that now I can <laughs> let all of the, those <laughs> things go. Um, and uh, yeah, it was funny because I was so many things happened since then as well. And that's already two years ago. So there's all of this oh, like, wow. yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but but yeah, definitely that was this album because I haven't made any others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because mm. it felt interesting hearing that right at the top because you felt like I don't know if this is the case, but it seemed like a real epiphany moment for you when you're relaying it to Camilla, and it feels like maybe the album then started spawning from that point, like right at the opening of the record structurally. But mm. at that moment in time when you're recording the message, I mean. It's, you know, you said you sounded really buoyed to be relaying that to Camilla about, you know, how your perspective on the record had changed. I mean, did that also, was that reflected in the process of making it? Like, did everything start clicking together after that point in terms of actually making the record? In a way, yeah, I think, I think it did because I'd been making a, like a lot of music up until that point. I've mm. made like so many hours of music and thinking that they needed to be categorized somehow and become like different albums perhaps because they they were like some of them were modular synth based it could have been like a whole album of just oh, wow. <laughs> music on a modular synth and then it could also just be one album with um f processed field recordings or like yeah mu music concrete like more in that uh, genre and then I think that voice message that was kind of a, like a decision of not having to to categorize myself or to divide myself into different like um, definable expressions or the fact that all of those things are part of me and the album can also have all of those things without being completely all over the place <laughs> right yeah yeah uh, so yeah. it was a, it was an epiphany i think and also funny because it, that's also sort of what the first album was so it was it was kind of like a coming back to square one of right like uh yeah yeah I, i'm really intrigued as to the, the the kind of spaces that you present on this record as well in terms of the field recordings mm. i've been listening a lot to lint on this new one back to back and mm. maybe this is totally obvious given the time span that you are creating this but the recordings on this new one are not social in the same way you have a lot of um people chatting on lin like mm. feeling like they're just getting to know each other people sound like they've been traveling and sort of you know aligned and started conversations with each other and then on the new one you have um <laughs> someone wanting to buy credit so they can contact people this you know remoteness you have a diet you know a, a musical dialogue with cows this this mm. kind of um uh sparser sense of um connection I, I wondered whether there was something mindful in the kinds of recordings of places that you picked for the new record that reflected maybe this more isolated time yeah in a way they do I, I don't think that was like a conscious choice of i wanted it to be less 
conversation necessarily, but I, I mm. wanted I wanted to make space for the for the voice messages between me and Camilla, and I think also the fact that uh, I had all of these recordings of places that to me are very much like soundscapes. They are they're quite defined by what is happening in them, or they sound very different. Like they sound they couldn't have been made in in Oslo. Right. Yes. Um, Yes. So they are in in that way. They are they are sort of like the postcards um, having like an image of a place Hmm. that and then our conversations is what is on the back of the postcard. I guess that was like an image I used thinking that. So the the photo and, you know, the photo on the postcard would be the field recording. And then our thoughts were what was written on the back or. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's why I chose those field recordings this time. But also, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think I think there has been less of of those type of recordings that I did for Lint. Um, I have been, yeah, had had like a different approach to field recordings. I think since then, mm. um, but only recently I started doing it again, like picking up my recording, uh, recording friends or I also started taking more photos so it, it's a part of a practice no like um it's not something I plan mm. so all of those recordings on lint they were they were basically like snapshot snapshots of of my daily life and uh, uh, I think since then it's been more like a concentrated prax- practice and not so much like um regular like I do this all the time but more of like every time I recorded something it was more conscious or and then yeah that that ended up giving that result of having more like spaces and not so much people speaking in those spaces or mm. Mm, yeah 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 uh, it's nice because it just generates as well this this that introspection that I feel before you record a voice message and relay it to someone I, I wanted to ask about that actually because I love voice messages as a, a format. I feel like you beat a lot of people who discovered during the pandemic that mm-hmm. they could circumvent all that uncanny real-timeness of video calls by, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> going through that horrid, like, oh. Um, but I'm rubbish at recording them, right? They take me... Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll take half an hour to record, like, a two-minute message, and I'll just... Um, because I know I can redo it and send it like that. Mm-hmm. That that lack of real time means that I um. Oh yeah. So <laughs> how are you at recording them? Are you good at shooting them from the hip and sending them first time, or are you someone who re-records them a lot? No, they're definitely they have to be, they have to be like r- real time. Oh nice. And, it, and then it just has to be the right moment, you know. I think that's why sometimes it takes ages between each one. Um, because mm. you have to be in the mood so somehow it's like writing your diary or writing a postcard like if you're not if you don't have anything to say it's a, probably <laughs> a bad time <laughs> and then uh, if you do it's it's really nice when you are in the setting of where it actually yeah sometimes it doesn't it doesn't match you know you have something to say but you're in the middle of family things or you're in a noisy place or there's all all these distractions that is life and there's one of the recordings on the album where I'm actually at I'm at an airport that was the first time I was flying for a long time and it was in it was a domestic uh. flight in Norway 
and then there's a kid in the background like yelling and crying and <laughs> and then so at first I thought like oh how does this work like can can I can I filter out that kid um, and then I thought like that's that was that was there like some I was dealing with things and trying to make sense of things and this kid in the background is also doing the same thing so th it's sort of nice I, I think I I do get I do get that you know like when you uh, second guess what you're saying or you feel like you're saying it in the in a difficult way or whatever but um it's nice to it's nice to just go for it like with a letter mm. i think it's just like trust your guts <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and just send it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i think waiting for the right time is very savvy i think i have a habit of just crushing the square peg until it fits mm. it, you know i'm like <laughs> i'm gonna make this happen um one other thing I wanted to ask about this this record before we get to your important albums, and maybe this is a big question mm -hmm. to end on, but the album takes its name from um, Baz Janada, right? The the, mm -hmm. the documentary, and um, also yeah. I think it's a phrase from one of his works too, right? So, um, mm. what? How did that end up happening? Like, what's your connection with his work, and why did it feel apt to align the two? So he he's been his work has been important for me for a long time mm. um um especially because of the how do you say this inevitability mm -hmm. of his pieces like he 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 has these pieces where you know what's going to happen <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it's, it's inevitable it's going to happen and then it happens and that's like there's something kind of very straightforward with his pieces like one some of the falling pieces yeah. where he's these performances that he's filmed as well where he's hanging from a branch of a tree over a river or a piece of water and you know that you know he can't hang there forever and that's <laughs> just the piece is just him at some point falling down and um when i first um learned about his work and saw these pieces i just found them like and there's they they are incredibly sad um mm -hmm. but they are also incredibly beautiful because they are just like pointing out something that is very obvious and giving them meaning or giving them some kind of um uh value <laughs> i guess mm, yeah. um and um so yeah yeah his his work has been with me for a long time and and i think i even i even did consider i saw in an email now uh, from like way back when I was discussing with the the Lumen Lake and Kanigo Records who released my first album I was discussing with them whether we should call the album Lint or Here Is Always Somewhere Else oh, wow. so it's, it's been a title that's been with me for a long time and I even forgot that I considered it for the last album oh, and then it was very so obvious cool. for me for this one um, so it's just the sentence that stuck with me for a long time I think and um I, f I thought it fitted really well with this music because it's the album is about these like jumps in time and um and about the sort of reflection that we constantly have of whether we are in the right place or uh, how time has been passing and um 
and also the 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 jumps in time in the in the both the the voice messages and also in in space between these field recordings i thought it would be uh yeah a suiting frame sort of for for that those sounds mm-hmm. mm. awesome um I love the record, Jenny. It's so, so good. So thank you. (laughs) Please do check it out. I'll put links in the show notes uh, so you can find it there. But we should move on to your important records. And you hinted this to me, I think, in an email. But I like to ask people how they thought about the term important when picking their list. So Mm -hmm. how did you understand that word in order to come up with the three records that you did? Extremely difficult task, by the way, <laughs> I have to say again. <laughs> I think I've like, I I spent so much time like picking three being like, yes, these are the three. And then like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. I have to, it has to be. Yeah. So it's been, so I ended up actually thinking, okay, they need to be important for, uh, for the album that I just made. Um, mm. And so that was a, uh, a thing to think about when I when I chose them. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking like, so what 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 about my new album is? What is it about it that <laughs> that I've had to think about a lot? And and I and it was the fact that it's uh, it's based on a narrative or it has this narrative throughout. Um, in the same way that maybe a film has a narrative or um, a story. And so I, I chose three albums that to me have like a strong uh, narrative or are related to films mm. without being film music. So, yeah, nice. <laughs> that was awesome. the criteria. That's great. So, yeah, whatever order makes the most sense. Which one do you want to talk about first? I think maybe we'll start with like the, the oldest, uh, mm. Henning Christiansen. Cool. Or Henning Christiansen. Nice. So that's up. I don't know how best to pronounce this right. Up fifty requiem of art, else Celtic fluxorum organum two from nineteen seventy. So yeah, maybe start by giving me a little introduction as to why this one made the list. It's a piece by so Henning Christensen. He he was a composer, but he was working together with other people all the time. He was part of this fluxus movement. Hmm. Um, so this piece was made together with Joseph Boyce. Uh, and I'm, it was probably part of a performance or multiple performances. I'm not like quite familiar with the history or background of the piece, but it was my, um, my partner, Nicholas, who showed me this piece when I was working on, um, on a commission, uh, back in 2018 uh, and I was kind of stuck and I didn't know how to approach it because I was only using or mostly using field recordings at that time and and, and uh, like kind of fi- trying to figure out how to use that material in, in different ways. And then he showed me this piece and it just really haunted me. It was like, a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's an extremely unnerving piece. So beautiful, but also just yeah completely <laughs> i think haunting is the best yeah. word yeah um uh, and uh i can listen to that piece so many times and it feels it just feels so 
like there's a new thing that's opening each time or um these the images i get in my head from this piece is also different each time it's like watching a film and every time i see it i see a different detail or mm. a scene i haven't seen before so i just enjoy it so much and it frightens me i think <laughs> a bit um it's so it's quite simple in in terms of like composition it has like these few elements um and not very like complex or anything hmm. but it's just like the the quality of sound and also this this organ uh like ostinate or something that just keeps going and coming back and coming back like this wave of of, of oh. something that yeah. is present i just find it really interesting i'm I'm curious to, to hear what you think about it yeah scary i, I mean it's funny i am um, i had it initially like uh over over speakers and um within about what 30 seconds of it starting you've got that what sounds like a crow but mm. it's definitely you know someone kind of making one of like many really quite alarming vocal noises on this mm. this record and i was like okay i'm gonna this, this feels a bit socially dissonant just to be blasting out in like <laughs> my garden so yeah. i'm gonna have to bring it in but obviously that um bring it into headphones but again spatially that felt like a good decision too because mm. uh, there's so much going on seems to be almost like tucked into crevices of stereo space like it's very yeah. very strange you you almost get the sense that you're in this manner with multiple rooms and you've opened your door onto to, you know open a door into mm -hmm. something maybe a bit lurid a bit weird a bit unsavory maybe i don't know yeah um <laughs> the bit is funny as well right i mean yeah yeah it's super funny <laughs> yeah there's that bit where um We've, like blowing the whistle to me for some reason just really gets me that bit yeah. is unreal yeah yeah when they're like making these vocal sounds and i'm not gonna try to <laughs> replicate it <laughs> yeah i love that part it's like it's been dark for long enough and now yeah it's it's really playful i think um, yeah. which is what I also enjoy about it. It has like something very difficult to put your finger on. Mm. And I'm, I'm, yeah, very curious as to how you come about making a piece like that. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I, I find it so inspiring actually. Mm. Mm. I mean, you mentioned you're working on a commission and then this piece came along. Yeah what was the impact of this piece on your process of making that commission um well hopefully um <laughs> uh, it also made me think more uh it made me take my piece less serious i think or like I, it made me more playful in the in the in the composing mm. um and it also made me think more about like how that you can have a chunk, you can have like a sort of yeah a chunk of sound if that makes sense or you know like a layer of different sounds that make make up a motive or make up a, a situation a sonic situation, mm -hmm. um, and then you can repeat them, you can repeat it in different ways and that, and and he does that too like he has these like uh, bottles that are like 
clearing or you know like sounds like in a in a market or something and it comes in and then it goes back out and and the way he does that it's like it doesn't make sense I think sometimes I think too much about like what makes sense in the yes. in the music or a sound, and then but he does he throws sense away and he's just like, <laughs> yeah, of course this is gonna come back in and then go out and and he just fades it kind of like rudely in and out, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I try to be be a bit more rude, I think, in <laughs> in my um, composing after that. This also has like a, a one maybe surface level parallel can draw your record is the combination of organ mm. and field recordings mm-hmm. um i'm sure that wasn't like a you know super conscious thing that you were like you know henning did that i will do that but there's obviously the really nice bit in your album which is organ amongst cows i think that's how it's credited yeah. right in the i mean tell me a bit about that and maybe why just like obviously it's such a lovely sound and also quite jarring so you're like how is there an organ amongst cows but i mean how did that come about and um yeah tell me a bit about it yeah i i have like uh i love organs i think organ is the most amazing instrument so (laughs) whenever there is one around i will definitely try to record on it Mm. and um i was at this residency with uh with my friend um, Guaste, uh, who is playing the organ on that part of the record. And it's a place in Sweden called uh, Anne Shabu. Mm-hmm. Um, and the residency is run by uh, this uh, sweet um, guy called Jason Dungan, who lives in Copenhagen. So he had invited us and a group of uh, Finnish artists, um, among others, Maria Atti and Nico Matti Atti. Mm. I met there and uh, we were all kind of like placed in so there's a house and there's a um, barn and then there are these little sheds and we were kind of placed in these different locations so everyone had their little space that they can work in and I think I was just having like a little break and um, so Guasta was playing the organ in one of the sheds so they had like a, you know the small ones that you step on what are they called in English? Um, oh, um, pump uh, organ. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So one of those. They're called like <laughs> psalm bicycles in Norwegian. Oh, lovely! <laughs> because you use them to play psalms and you ride them like a bicycle. Um, <laughs> but she was she was working on that, and then um, someone else was working in a different place, like in the barn. Someone was playing guitar, and then when I was standing in the middle of in the in between all of these spaces, I could hear that the cows were kind of louder than <laughs> most of us, and because of the weird acoustic of this space, the cows have this reverb, right. which I I never heard before. Like uh, their their moves were kind of like ringing, um, <laughs> so I was just walking around. And I thought thought about like how instead of mixing. I would use my like my position of recording as a way of mixing. So I would go closer to the organ and then move away from the organ closer to the sounds of the cows and yeah. That is <laughs> so lovely. That, mm. That's a nice as well. That feels like a nice um means of sort of letting serendipity control the combination of sounds. Mm. Um yeah, it's so nice. 
Ruth Christiansen, is there? Have you gone on to listen to any more of their works, or uh, just this one? Um, I've listened to some of the others, but this is the one that I've like, yeah, listened to most times. So mm. that's the one I know know the best. But yeah, he was he was also working working with performance. There's a piece. What what is it called? Something about a horse. Can't remember. But they did a performance. Uh, he and a couple of others where they slaughtered and parted a, a horse Whoa. and put the parts into jars, like jam jars. And uh, he was playing a violin to that. <laughs> wow! Oh my god! Uh, and it was a protest against the um, Vietnam War. So he's done, there's so many works of art that he's been a part of and his practice was very long and um, contained a lot of different different uh, practices, I guess, or how do you say, like, yeah. So I've only, I've only like scratched the surface basically with, with him to see what else there is there. I know his wife was also an artist. Right, right. Mm. Um. Yeah, I think she she was like a filmmaker too, right? Yeah, and I think yeah. They were, yeah, that's right. Um, so I want to return to one of the first comments you made, which is the fact that it's a haunting mm-hmm. record. Um, are there specific portions of this that you find haunt you? Is it the general vibe? Is it both? I think, the, well, the organ definitely haunts me because mm-hmm. it's it has something, you know, when there's a, it's such a sh- small melody or like a, I guess an ostinate like a loop mm-hmm. but it just it grows somehow or it it stays interesting it doesn't sound like a loop and that I find really interesting and and haunting because it's as if like something is being repeated but you can't really you can't really get a defined idea of what that is yes um, yeah but then also, yeah, like <laughs> just some of the sounds, like there's a sound sound of a, I think, a saw or something. Yeah. Like like metal, like something's being cut. There are all these like actions that you can hear, mm. and they come kind of suddenly. So it feels as if you you could be anything could happen in a way. Yes. Uh, yeah. So you, th- that's also quite like uh, unnerving, no. Um, yeah yeah mm. well particularly now i know that you know with this kind of animal dissection yeah the the sore again you're like well okay well what is being exactly yeah <laughs> 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 let's go to your second important record now which one do you want to talk about next that would be robert ashley yeah wow (laughs) okay so private parts um Mm. so i've got the date of this is 1978 but 
I don't mm-hmm. know if that's accurate. But yeah, so give me a little introduction as to why this one's important to you. So I think it was my friend and, and colleague, uh, Jenny Val, who showed me Robert Ashley's work first. And uh, when I first listened to this one, it's also just like, it's a really, really beautiful piece. It's very meditative. The way he narrates or reads is also incredibly beautiful, like in between spoken or speech and and singing. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that he's quite like known for in his work, having this speech singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also just um, it's a piece that I've or an album I've listened to very yeah a lot of times. Um, I have it on vinyl, so I, I usually. It's like one of the records I play the most, I think. Mm. Um, and every time I, I I drift in and out of of the narrative and and of of the text, and each time I kind of the parts parts that I hear every time, and then there are parts that I that I discover every time. So it's like a beautiful a, a beautiful space to be in, I think, because it's very you know it, it's the same thing going through <laughs> yeah the a side is it's yeah one thing happening the b side is one thing happening quite simple uh but very beautiful like these states of mind i guess i did how much of you like it feels almost like that this would be to to ruin it maybe i don't know like this mm-hmm. is my first experience listening to this this record mm-hmm. but how much have you read about what the narrative is supposed to be pointing towards or have you kind of left it suspended because there's this ambiguity right as to what is yeah literally going on how much context have you dived into i haven't i haven't got any context actually. nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've just left it but have you checked have you read about it i did i kind of wish i hadn't because i was like now uh uh-huh. you know it feels like a narrowing of the possibilities or just like a bit of pressure upon yeah you know what 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 I deem it to be about there's this fluidity which is maybe a bit constricted as mm-hmm. to its meaning but this may be hard to articulate right but what yeah. is it about the the text that I should say he's speaking throughout this entire thing so like yeah. how how long is it like 40 40 minutes or so yeah. and he's always talking um and yet it's gorgeous uh, mm-hmm. So what is it about the text, do you think, that kind of compels you or allows you to listen to, you know, his voice for that whole continual period? There are, like, I think there are two things, at least for me, there are two things happening in the text. And one is this uh, reconsideration all the mm. time. And so he he says something and then he moderates it or changes it or it's it's a type of poetry that is like i i get the sensation that something is happening like he's describing a situation um but it's also not about the situation it's also about like imagining the situation mm-hmm. um so that's the one thing and the other thing is that it yeah to, he's he's also at least in the in the fir- in the a side the one called uh the park he's describing also how like if, if a film like the camera movements yeah. so it's very visual and it's very like it 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 uh, kind of um tells you to 
imagine something. So it's not like even though the way he speaks and and his voice is very like relaxing and non-demanding, uh, the text is sort of like asking something of you, like asking something of your imagination. That's what I enjoy about it. Yeah, if that makes sense. Absolutely, and I think the asking is almost reflected by his intonation. Is like makes every line a question, mm-hmm. but a very gentle one, which is you're so nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the music is really lovely as well. I mean, um, is it primarily the text that appeals to you? I mean, is there anything specific about like the musical accompaniment that kind of makes it align with with Robert Ashley's voice here? Well, yeah, I I I love the instrumentation uh, mm. again, like uh, this constant organ sound, and then the tablas and. I it's I mean it's t- totally new agey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, for sure. But uh, it's it's really beautiful and and I also there's a there's a point in the on the A side where the piano uh is gone or it it moves away and that also kind of leaves a space that I find really beautiful when when you have a piece of music that is kind of like it establishes quickly that this is what's going on. And then those few elements then become very important. So removing one of them, like taking out the piano, all of a sudden re- uh, there's this like void, yes, almost, which I find really really beautiful. So yeah, it's definitely the combination. Um, it's such a meditative space to to be in, I mm. think. Also, this record formed the basis for a seven-part televised opera, right? Which um, yeah. Called Perfect Lies. Have you have you seen that? I've seen part of it. Um, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> I I love the way he writes for like different different voices or like mm-hmm. the way they speak to each other. They they have the same kind of like uh, unnatural <laughs> uh, intonation or. Does that make sense? Like yeah, the, the the way they speak, the the way they say their lines. That it's always like in between speaking and singing. It's, yeah, I really enjoy that. And it's also quite a lot of humor, I think, in doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a real buoyancy. Um, yeah. uh, are there any other Robert Ashley works that you've checked out since um, Jenny recommended them to you? Uh, yeah. Uh, automatic writing is one of my favorites too. Um, oh, cool. Right. It's another piece where it's a lot less. It's a lot more like um, soft, and well, it's about. <laughs> I guess it's like yeah, it's all about mumbling or you know like. Um, <laughs> so m- most of the record is has this like undefined speech, but you can't really hear what it is. It's not. It's not spoken words. It's like whatever is in between, maybe. Mm. Um, and then there are these like field recordings of of some music, or you get the feeling that there's a party, but it's far away and behind a lot of closed doors. Wow! So it's a really interesting album. I listened to that a lot actually this um, this winter. It's really beautiful too. Wow! I was actually in doubt whether I should pick that one or this one for this important <laughs> record but and both of them are beautiful 
Uh, does it? Is there anything about it you reckon makes it good winter listening? Hmm. Well, there is that. At least when you live in a country with snow, uh, mm -hmm. that's definitely like a sonic event that happens every time it snows. It's like everything. There's a lot less reverb. Everything is like wrapped in the softness of the snow. Mm. And that album has that kind of wrapping. <laughs> so I guess it fits really well within that instead of listening to music that has like a lot of reverb and a lot of space and shining. I guess, you know, it, it, it emphasizes the, um, the season. That could hmm. be kind of nice. Sometimes it's nice to do the opposite too, of course. But, but now I'm going to try to listen to it in the summer too, <laughs> see how that feels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah. um, one phrase actually I wanted to call out on this uh, private parts, which mm. is, uh, considering the title and everything is so perfect. I think that's where he says about the character in the first part, like he handles himself at night, but there's this like mm. really nice, what feels like a double meaning where it's like, you know, maybe masturbation for one but then the idea of just trying to get a sense of self at all just yeah. trying to like handle this sense of individuality i get so many sense of like there's all these references to like the other side and the elsewhere and you know mm -hmm. trying to assert boundaries between the self and whatever else is not oh as you can tell jenny i'm brimming with <laughs> thoughts and like reasons yeah. to dive back into this one so yeah yeah yeah, there's so many beautiful sentences. I was thinking, like, when I was listening to it again before this, I, I was thinking to write down <laughs> all the favorite lines, but then I thought there were actually too many. <laughs> <laughs> just transcribe the entire yeah, thing. Yeah, just, yeah, I'll just read the whole <laughs> record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was determined to be serious. He had determined once to be serious. Later he knew that he had made a mistake, but too late he had arrived and there were rooms and all rooms were not the same. Some better than others, he thought. A better view, a better layout, better shower, softer bed, not so far from noise, more like home. Jenny, let's go to your final important records and so the most mm -hmm. recent one uh yeah what have we got yeah so that's uh menske collective by lost girls nice. uh that's the jenny val and hovar vol they have a duo and the title of the album literally translates to the human collective yeah i was also thinking of picking uh, jenny's uh, blood bitch album for this mm. uh, which also has like a very strong sense of film or narrative or um, film scenes in it, but but I I picked this one because it um, because it relates to uh, the Robert Ashley album I guess too and and to this like the narrative rather than the film idea and the way it's made has it has a lot of improvisation in it I think uh, and um, and it's sort of I find it like incredibly epic, yeah. which I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has these moments of like real transcendence or at least like definitely going for that. And, and I think that's such a, a beautiful thing to strive for, you know? Um, and I, I love 
I love listening to it and to to let myself like join the that that curve like going moving upwards <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. for sure um i mean so as, as i understand they've had one ep is mm -hmm. lost girls right and and then this album but been playing together for a long time yeah um, and i know and also imagine the fact that obviously your friends with jenny you've, you've been able to kind of chart that trajectory mm. that as they've been playing together i mean how does this compare this record to it feels like the culmination of people who really know each other, right? How do, how does this record um, compare to what they've been doing up to this point? Like, what does the trajectory look like with Lost Girls? I think in I think in a way that it's like a very nice mix of their of both of them in that in that project. Um, mm. So uh, they've been playing together for a long time, but it's been a lot of the time it's been on on Jenny's albums. So uh, and Hovar has contributed massively to to those throughout mm. the years. Um, but I think I think the way that this uh, this project has come together um, is like um, it has this idea of a collective, and it's had that for a long time. Even though they are two, but it's like um, I was actually playing with them a couple of times, or maybe oh, cool. may maybe it was just one. No, yeah, a couple of times we played this. Um, in this context of this music and 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 every time we we've been thinking about like the situation of playing a concert and uh there's a lot of reflection you know like as always with with the Jenny she she mm. has a lot of really beautiful and and strong reflections of about like the fact of like why we play music and and also like where the what the music is and where it comes from and and I think that's this album is sort of like there's a lot of ideas that have been around both for Hovar and Jenny for a really long time that f have finally sort of found a place in this album so at least yeah the way I listen to it it's like there's both this sense of improvisation of like doing things live in a studio um, mm -hmm. but it's also like the material has been brewing for a really long time, so there, there's like a core in that that is definitely not random. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, the fact that you can improvise over a material that is very solid um, is really nice to listen to. I think. Uh, I I didn't realize you you play with them. I mean, tell me a bit more about that. Like, how much preparation was involved in um, the performances you did? with them did you go straight into it like how did you find it so yeah there was this one we played at uh all airs festival which is mm -hmm. a festival for improvised music in oslo um and then we uh i think we did rehearse a tiny bit in their living room but it was mostly talking <laughs> <laughs> and uh I, th I yeah and i made we made we were looking for for like video clips so we had like a video going and we were talking about actions or like situations rather than playing music or rehearsing the music mm -hmm. um so we would come up with these situations and some of them had like musical parts accompanying them but then we also, for instance, we made like a, or Hovar made like a huge tape loop 
and we were sitting inside of that tape loop. <laughs> wow, and that's so we were, cool. Yeah, we were sort of, we called it the echo chamber. <laughs> wow. Um, so that was like, that was the framework, I think, for that concert. And then stepping out of the, of the echo chamber <laughs> and uh, um, feeding each other's uh, sounds into the tape loop, things like that. Um, I guess that was the most experimental or like the the concert that we've played in, with all Lost Girls that was least based on these songs, I guess. When they play mm. when they play now, they play more of like the material from the record. There's still like definitely elements of freedom uh, within that, but uh, but that one that concert was like a allowing ourselves to just discover some. Or try try things out, I guess. Like um, we also played at my a, a venue that I worked at at that moment. So there was like we used these recordings we'd been talking together uh, when we were rehearsing, and we used some of those recordings in the oh, concert. So cool. there was this meta perspective of like, so how what is it gonna be like to play in the venue that you work in? And <laughs> and <laughs> then so I was good. talking about how I would probably just think about like the fire hazard of having people within that space because we had to watch this <laughs> this horrible video of people trapped in a place with a fire when we when we had <laughs> when we were employed there oh no um so there was this yeah definitely thinking thinking and 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 making music within like the con- context of all of that it was fun it was definitely fun I hope it was fun for the people listening to it too. It was a lot of fun making. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what I love about this is hearing um, Jenny, well, both of them unfurl over the kind of long duration pieces here. There's like two long duration tracks on this album. Um, Yeah, there's so many advantages to working in more concise song forms, right? But also um, with longer duration, like there's this... You know, there's so many other things you're able to do when you have like long durations like these two pieces. I felt like I, I certainly felt I could feel certain aesthetic parallels to Blood Bitch at certain points, but mm. unraveled into these longer forms, which is really satisfying. I mean, I, I wonder if what does the durational aspect of the music bring to you in the case of these like two longer pieces? It felt to me like they're really working it in an awesome way. Yeah, I, I think. Um... Well, there's the there's the um, transcendence, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Or if I'm if I'm allowed to use such a the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a pompous word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, definitely. I think I think it allows for growth, or like in in terms of um, letting the music grow and become something else without like having a two part or like uh, the structure of a song where you have like um, verses and chorus and it's a different form. It, it's like the, that can quickly become uninteresting yes, in, yeah. in, in for, for a lot of, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult, difficult form, but um, I think they have, they've found a way of, of uh, using it that makes really sense so that's really yeah i think that's really nice uh having having that time to do that because 
it can quickly become like in between you now like with the two other albums i think um they've used long form for like there's obviously difference and repetition in both but in but in the lost girls album i think they have managed to find like an in between it's a long form but there are still songs and yeah and yeah i i think there there's lots of space to how do you say that in english in norwegian there's an expression called it means that you're kind of like yeah carried carried away to get carried away yeah uh, yeah yeah and the music allows you really to get carried away together with them like mm. there's enough time for you to kind of like to get into it and and then for it to to open up into these like what i'm what i'm calling <laughs> transcending uh, opening up to to this uh higher state somehow or yeah there's some spoken passages on here as well that really mm-hmm. jut out. There's one... Oh, I don't want to mince Jenny's words. So this is a caveat, like this is a, a kind of rough mm. um, recalling of it, but she's talking about the fictional nature of the pandemic whereby, you, you know, mm-hmm. it's fictional in the sense you talk about upcoming events that don't actually transpire because, you know, so much gets cancelled. So, yeah, you know, it was going to happen yesterday, but it didn't. And mm-hmm. that being a form of fiction, which I was like, oh, my gosh, that's such a lovely way to evoke that headspace, that yeah. precarity that felt so dominant for such a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one really stuck with me. I was wondering whether there was particular passages for you or, you know, topics that are covered within the words that kind of protrude or really stick out uh, in your memory when you think about this record. Uh, yeah, definitely that that part sticks out. Um, I think uh, a lot of the time Jenny has like a, a way of a way of thinking about or reflecting or talking about even the most like mundane and kind of sad parts of being human that <laughs> yeah, yeah. she manages to think about them in a way that makes them interesting or that makes me curious to think more about them mm. um i also really enjoy on the first song she's talking about sound coming before the idea of of a self mm. um I think that part is really beautiful and 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 something I've <laughs> I've thought about a lot too. Uh, the way we listen and the way we kind of can lose ourselves when we're listening, mm. and even then, like yeah, lose ourselves when we're making sound, and then manage somehow to to become part of something else or to become part of someone else or a collective. I, I think I think the way she uses. Uh, the text in this album is similar or relates to uh, the way Robert Ashley does um, mm-hmm. in the way of like reflecting on a topic or slowly uh, <laughs> sort of dissecting a topic and then being generous enough to to allow the listener to, to be part of that dissection somehow.
Jenny, thank you so much for talking about these these three records and bringing them into my life as well. I've been so buzzed to, you know, and occasionally scared in the case of Henning, but to experience all of them. So huge thanks. Um, My pleasure. One last question I wanted to ask is about how music comes into your life these days. I mean, you know, Mm. I've experienced a lot of transition in, say, primarily buying CDs and listening in certain certain environments to kind of having a very different relationship to buying and listening to music presently. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what that looks like for you at the moment. Like how does music come into your life in terms of how you buy it and also where you listen? Um, I've been using uh, Bandcamp more and more um, mm. the past couple of years, actually. And um, I, I find it really nice to be able to go into um a label and yeah. and then to discover their dis- discography um and then finding new artists that way i think that's a really nice way to discover music and also then it's very immediate and easy to buy it and so that's like i think that's my number that's the primary way for me to to discover new music mm. um i also use a streaming service. I use Apple Music at the time, right now, mm-hmm. but but definitely Bandcamp feels like a better and better platform. There's, of course, more always more like <laughs> improvements that could be made, but mm. I think I think with all in all, it was a really nice thing that they were um, having these Bandcamp Fridays throughout the pandemic. Mm. Um, and then yeah, vinyl is always my like preferred medium um but right now i'm actually like in between house houses so i don't have a i don't have a record player so then it's been mostly digital and and cds oh and cool I, yeah <laughs> they it. take much less space and <laughs> the sound quality is actually great <laughs> it's like a, yeah fr- frowned upon medium but it still it still works actually. yeah I'm yeah. with you all the way. I, you know, I think we're maybe on the verge of a CD revival. Yeah, people, you know, want stuff to be released within a a month of finishing it, and they want to wait for vinyl delays and stuff. It's uh-huh. yeah, huge fan of CDs. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, Jenny, thank you once again. It's been such a pleasure, and to everyone listening, see you next time. Goodbye.